and welcome to the Tandem Collective Talks podcast. Tandem Collective celebrates books, film, TV, podcasts and more with our global community. We're Jen, Jade, Lucy and Lex, members and friends of Team Tandem. You might already know us from Instagram or TikTok, but if not, it's great to meet you and welcome. We're here to chat to you about what's new in the world of books, publishing and film, interview some of your favourite authors and hear your thoughts on what you're reading and watching at the moment. You can find us at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram and also Tandem Collective Global. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Tandem Collective Talks podcast. Today's episode borrows a theme from the much-loved TV series Friends, where Joey reads Stephen King's The Shining and finds it such a terrifying book that he has to temporarily put it in the freezer. As part of a book swap with Rachel, he then tackles the classic Little Women, but has to part ways with that title when it all gets too much emotionally. It got us thinking about the intensity of the feelings that books can stir up for the reader, be it joy, heartache or uncontrollable rage. So we wanted to devote this episode to the best books that make you feel something. On that note, this is going to be quite an emotionally charged episode. So where we will be recommending some books that make us sob or sleep with the light on, do check in on content warnings for any of these books before you read them. We're going to be hearing from both members of Team Tandem and some of our longest standing community members with their recommendations later on in this episode. Hi everyone, it's Lucy here. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you'd like to support us further, it's super important to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred player. We'd love to hear what you think and which episodes are your favourite. So hit us up at podcast at thetandemcollective.com to chat. Now, back to the episode you came for. So to start with, Lex and Jen, I know you both read a lot of psychological crime, thriller, horror as your normal go-to genres. What are some titles that have made you want to do a Joey and put the book in the freezer? Lex, if I come to you first. Now, I don't think I have ever gone as far as needing to put a book in the freezer, but there are definitely books that have made me run up the stairs and into my bedroom and turn the light off really quickly because I'm scared that somebody might be following me up the stairs or I might see somebody's face at the window. And I think one of those books that I've read as an adult is The Whisper Man by Alex North. There's a very vivid scene where somebody is outside of the house and they are putting their fingers through the letterbox and whispering through the letterbox. And in the house that I'm in currently, the front door is at the bottom of the stairs. So if you stand at the top of the stairs, you can just see the letterbox. And I'm like, oh, God, no, like that gives me the yips. And then I was trying to think about what books really scared me as a child. And actually looking back on it, it was The Prisoner of Azkaban and The Goblet of Fire. I remember so distinctly having to put them down and then just like crawl back into bed with the duvet up up to my chin and just being like, it's just a book. It's just a book. It's just a book about wizards. It's not real. That feeling um, though, when you're younger, especially, is so powerful when you're when you're lying in bed, normally with your light under your duvet, because you're supposed to have stopped reading by then. And if it's yeah, a scary book. Oh yeah, I thought that is such a powerful feeling. 
And I don't ever remember being scared by books up until that point. Like up until that point, I was only ever reading like Jacqueline Wilson. So it's not particularly, you know, not particularly scary books. So to then be scared by a book for the first time, even that was like, oh my God, this mm. is powerful. And now, now I read books about, you know, cut up bits of body being found in the Thames and that's <laughs> standard for me. That's, yeah, your, your, go, your comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Jen, what about you? I think... Really interestingly, similarly to Lex, the books that really scare me are the books that scared me when I was younger, I think. So I would say my two scariest are The Rats by James Herbert and Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. And I read both of those. I'm not 100% sure on the age, but it was definitely before I was in secondary school. So I think about 10 or 11. And even now, if I reread them, kind of those visuals of in James Herbert somebody gets like their toes bitten off by a rat and in Pets um the sister who's dying of a terminal illness but scares the small girl is like hiding in the wardrobe and if I'm scared by something in my bed and like have to cuddle up in my duvet those will be the mental images that come to me and I have to say as well actually I've heard that Pet Cemetery is the only one of his books that Stephen King has written that he has been unnerved by so I'm in good company at least. Oh, wow. My cousin actually recommended Pet Cemetery recently, just as in saying it's, yeah, like she, she was in floods reading it. It's a fantastic book. Would I recommend it to you, Luce? I think no. Well, I mean, I was surprised even by the title. <laughs> she was recommending it to me, but yeah, I haven't read either of those, but the rats, I mean, anything involving rats is terrifying. I think I have a genuine phobia of them. Okay, so next question. Now, I I like to think I'm quite an optimistic person generally, but all of my favourite books are really, really sad, like make me just, just cry. But I know that we've chatted before about how a good cry can just be incredibly cathartic. What about recommendations from you both that make you sob? So, Jen, if I come to you first for that one. Okay, well, I said to both of you earlier that this book just, it makes me emotional. And actually, even thinking about it, it's making me a bit tearful. It's only one book that I've ever read that has had this impression on me. And it's A Monster Calls. Has either of you read it? Yeah, Lex has read it. Did you cry, Lex? I didn't cry, but it is one of the books that I have multiple different editions of because I loved it so much. Yeah, so I'll give you a bit of background, Luce. The idea of it came from an author called Siobhan Dowd, who wrote it when she had terminal cancer. And she went on to die, and Patrick Ness, the author of the book, kind of wrote it for her. And it's about a boy who is, I think he's supposed to be about 13, and his mum is struggling with terminal cancer. And it's an incredibly, it's beautiful, and it's art, the book, but it's such a hard read. And I'm going to read a couple of lines to you that just make me sob every single time like I can think about them while I'm out walking and it just gets me it's right so if bear in mind if you need to stop now maybe skip ahead by a minute or so if you think this could be tricky for you so this is the bit that always gets me Lisa we're going to see if you have a cry he let go of her hand she reached over and pressed the button on the machine the hospital had given her which administered painkillers so strong she was never able to stay awake after she took them 
When she finished, she took his hand again. I wish I had a hundred years, she said very quietly. A hundred years I could give to you. Oh God. I know. Yeah. And that's oh. the mum saying it to her son and every single time it's like. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I do really want to read that though. Like, I don't know what I'm, I'm drawn. I'm drawn to really, really heart-wrenching books. That does sound incredibly moving, heavy, but also, yeah, beautifully written. Well, it's it's YA, so it's not even that it's, you know, particularly explicit or brutal, but it's just beautiful and moving and, yeah, completely recommend it if you think you're emotionally up to it. Yeah, okay. Lex, what about you? What was the last book that really, really made you sob? Now, I don't know whether it's because emotionally stunted because I spend my life surrounded by fictional serial killers and like horrific people, but I don't tend to really cry at books. Like I, I sometimes get like a lump in my throat but, and then I go, what's happening? What? Sorry, excuse me. Is this book affecting me? But I don't tend to really cry. So for this, I was thinking about the books that have almost got me there that have like pushed me so close to the edge that I've had to go and check myself a little bit and I think most of the books that I've read by Jodie Picoult do it I think the first book that I ever read by Jodie Picoult was 19 minutes which if you don't know I 100% recommend but it is about a school shooting so consider that a content warning and I think the reason that it affected me so much is because it's told from multiple perspectives. So you hear from the parents who are stood outside the school gates, you hear from the teachers, you hear from the students, and you also hear from the shooter as well. And hearing all of those points of view was really like emotionally rattling. Also on Jodie Pickle, My Sister's Keeper. Yeah. I did not cry at all at the book, but I definitely felt the kind of emotional charge that came with it and I know that there's controversy about the film but the film I was crying within the first like three minutes Mm -hmm. so that was that definitely made me sob but because I knew this recording was coming up I was really thinking about this today going what is going to make me cry in a book and I went out for a dog walk and I'm listening to an audiobook at the moment (laughs) for The Family Remains by Lisa Jewell and it is definitely crime definitely thriller fiction but as I was walking around the field there is this scene between two female characters I won't tell you too much about it because the book has just come out so I don't want to spoil it for anybody but there are two female characters talking about an experience that they have both shared but they don't know that the other one has experienced it too And they're both so dying to talk about this experience and how it's affected them. So they're trying to have a conversation about it. And I know this sounds ridiculously cryptic. You're just going to have to read the book because it is very, very good. But as I was wandering around the the dog walking field today, I felt this lump in my throat and I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to tell Lucy a jet about this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, that does sound really good. I'll add that to the, add that to the list. But it's, yeah, it's, it's because I, I think it's so common, isn't it, that people tend to cry more easily at a film adaptation rather than the book. Like, I know I joked earlier that I, I, I can't cry at the drop of a hat, but it does have to be a very kind of, yeah, very moving book to, to make me cry. 
What was the last book that made you cry, Luz? The last book that made me cry was one that it, it's actually it's one of my top five books of all time. I've actually lost track of the number of times I've read it. A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini. And in fact, anytime I've read anything by him, I have had definitely a lump in my throat. But yeah, that makes me cry. I think anything anything that's to do with, I don't, I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't read it. But yeah, generally speaking, I seem to be like, if it's if it involves either children or old people, I can it like you know either one of those brackets. You it, it's it's guaranteed to make me cry. But yeah, I love I love his writing. And what's your freezer book? My freezer book would be Verity by Colleen Hoover. I know that we seem to reference that book in almost every episode of this, but honestly, like. It, that was so such an interesting reading experience for me because as you both know I haven't read a huge amount of thrillers or, or horror but I was I was so jumpy and so on edge while I was reading it and like I don't I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of horror movies I'm terrible at them like afterwards I have that thing that you said Lex where your mind is kind of you think someone's about to run upstairs after you let like, your mind starts to play tricks on you and so I had that feeling while I was reading Verity but also I just could not put it down I was completely like it yeah just completely hooked but also terrified at the same time so yeah but that's very very nearly came close to putting that one in the freezer well thank you both so much for those brilliant recommendations thank you both enjoy the rest of your day as I mentioned in this episode, I can't think of an author who has my emotions in the palm of her hand quite like Jodie Picoult. One of the books that had me WhatsApping all of my bookish pals with a must-read recommendation most recently was Wish You Were Here, Jodie's surprise lockdown novel. In Wish You Were Here, on Friday 13th, readers meet Diana, an ambitious young appraiser at Sotheby's in New York, and her surgeon boyfriend, Finn. They are about to embark on the holiday of a lifetime, where Diana is sure Finn will propose and the next stage of her carefully planned life will begin. But it is Friday the 13th of March 2020. The new virus hits, Finn can't leave the city and suggests Diana goes without him. In the Galapagos, unable to get back to her real life, Diana learns about the devastation hitting the world as she hears intermittently from her boyfriend. She's discovering a new side to herself and a new kind of life when everything changes. This is a must read for any Jodie Picoult fan, but also anyone who wants an emotionally charged book with brilliantly executed twists. This book will really make you want to throw it across the room and then crawl back to it because you just have to know what happens in the end. Here is an excerpt from the audiobook of Wish You Were Here. When I was six years old, I painted a corner of the sky. My father was working as a conservator, one of a handful restoring the zodiac ceiling on the main hall of Grand Central Terminal, an aqua sky strung with shimmering constellations. It was late, way past my bedtime, but my father took me to work because my mother, as usual, was not home. He helped me carefully climb the scaffolding, where I watched him working on a cleaned patch of the turquoise paint. I looked at the stars representing the smear of the Milky Way, the golden wings of Pegasus, Orion's raised club, the twisted fish of Pisces. The original mural had been painted in 1913, my father told me. 
roof leaks damaged the plaster, and in 1944, it had been replicated on panels that were attached to the arched ceiling. The original plan had been to remove the boards for restoration, but they contained asbestos, and so the conservators left them in place and went to work with cotton swabs and cleaning solution, erasing decades of pollutants. They uncovered history. Signatures and inside jokes and notes left behind by the original artists were revealed, tucked in among the constellations. There were dates commemorating weddings and the end of World War II. There were names of soldiers. The birth of twins was recorded near Gemini. An error had been made by the original artists so that the painted zodiac was reversed from the way it would appear in the night sky. Instead of correcting it, though, my father was diligently reinforcing the error. That night, he was working on a small square of space, gilding stars. Wish You Were Here, the paperback version, is out on August 18th, and I can't recommend it enough. Also make sure to keep your eyes peeled on Tandem Collective UK Instagram for more emotionally gripping content from Jodie and her co-author, Jennifer Finney Boylan in Mad Honey, out in November. Now we're going to hear some recommendations from members of Team Tandem and the emotions that the book stirred up for them. I'm going to start with one that made me laugh out loud, which is titled I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by Rachel Bloom, who you may know as the creator and star of the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's an absolutely hilarious memoir that was released, I believe, in 2020. And she talks about growing up as a weird, nerdy theater kid who uh, didn't quite fit in. She talks about her upbringing as a, as a Jew, which... I related to very much and the audiobook was particularly good because she reads her teenage diary entries and there's also an eight-minute musical in the audiobook that she wrote when she was in high school so that was definitely a book that made me laugh out loud and one of my top 10 reads from the last year. My next book that made me laugh would be Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows by Bali Karajaswal. And you you may be able to tell why it's why it's hilarious. It's a lot of irony, a lot of East meets West, and basically a young Punjabi woman in London named Nikki takes a job teaching creative writing at her local temple. Little does she know that the Punjabi widows that she's going to be teaching actually don't know how to read or write at all. And in order to encourage them and motivate them, they all end up writing erotic stories and reading them aloud, and it's hilarious. There's also a lot of old and new you know, generations and sort of that contention in culture and tradition. And there's also an old murder that gets brought up and new light shines on that. So I'm going to stop rambling now, and I think you should just read the book. I think a book that has made me cry even on a reread 
is House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J Mass. If you've read it, you know. But even on my third time reading that book, I was absolutely broken by the end. And I feel like any book that still has that much of an emotional impact on a reread when you know exactly what's going to happen, you know it's a good book. The most recent book that's made me cry is The Lost Whale by Hannah Gold. It's a middle grade about, about a lost whale and I just loved it. The environmental impact, I loved the heartbreak when we met the whale. Oh, the mental health rep was amazing. I it, honestly, it it made me cry in the bath last night. I should preface this by saying that I'm an absolute wuss and I don't read scary books. I don't read horror. I don't like anything that makes me scared to turn the lights off at night. But there are two that did actually surprisingly give me that feeling. So the first one is You Let Me In by Camilla Bruce. This is like a dark fairy tale. So this woman is an author and throughout her life she has spoken to these fairies that live at the bottom of the garden but they're not kind of fairies that we've known they, they kind of come out of the earth they're made of like twigs and they're creepy as she disappears and everybody thinks she's dead but she and the sort of the whole thing is is she dead or is she living with these fairies has she been taken to this like underworld type thing it's so creepy it's so because you have no idea what this woman is doing it's so weird and so creepy the other one that actually did genuinely freak me out and made me scared to turn the lights off is the haunting of Avalon jones by phil hicks this is a middle grade and it really really freaked me out the descriptions of the ghost woman in this one the way that it was described of her dragging herself out of the sea and just that kind of crawling across the street and there's a scene when their main character is having to hide underneath a scarecrow so that this this ghost won't find her oh my god honestly i i well just was terrified but again that is my level of of horror middle grade is about as bad as i can go so thinking about books that keep me awake at night I really like that sort of creepy feeling before you find out what the evil thing is. So I always like books that leave you a little bit in suspense as to what's actually happening. That feeling of kind of having to look over your shoulder, that's my favorite thing. So I, I'm, I'm more gothic than, than kind of gory horror. As soon as I find out that like it's an alien or something, some creature with dripping fangs behind it, I'm, I'm, I'm less enthused. But sort of the, the, the books that creeped me out the most that I would really recommend First is The Return by Rachel Harrison. This came out a few years ago, actually, but I think it was just really underappreciated at the time. I don't remember it making a big splash, even though the author was nominated for the Bram Stoker Award and things like that. So I think I think it's, this one's definitely worth checking out. It's the story of four friends, four women, who have been friends for a long time, and then one of them goes missing, but comes back two years later. But she comes back changed in very strange and creepy ways. What I really loved about it is the kind of sense of creeping dread woven in throughout. There's a scene, I mean, I read this book a few years ago and there's a scene at the beginning where one of the friends just, she's in her own apartment and she kind of has a sense that the presence is there with her. Kind of turns around, looks in the mirror, turns back. She's convinced she's seeing something out of the corner of her eye. And it's described so well that I can kind of recall that sense of dread I had when reading it to this day. 
And you know, it's never explained. It's all to do with her friend coming back. It's kind of really well done. So I would recommend that one for sure. A recent creepy read is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily Danforth, which I loved. It's a doorstopper of a book. It's full of creepiness. <laughs> There's, it's, it's also really cool because she's interweaving different narratives together. So part of it is set in a boarding school at the beginning of the last century. Part of it is set now in Hollywood where they're trying to film a, a movie about all the mysterious happenings at that school. There's insects showing up in different places as like, you know, harbingers of doom. Uh, it's really well done. Plus the whole cast of the book is queer, which is brilliant. There's lots of nods to uh, Lovecraft, to Blair Witch, The Omen, and Shirley Jackson, you know, like malevolent towers in sinister mansions, you know, malevolent plants in a, in a creepy greenhouse where uh, all these strange things happen. So it's really well done. So I would recommend that for sure. It's really something gothic and creepy you can sink your teeth into. Speaking of Shirley Jackson, this is non-fiction, but it's, it's also something I would recommend for fans of the genre and of Shirley herself. Random House published, I think it was last year, they published an anthology of her never-before-published letters, also a doorstopper of a book. But it's really awesome to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at how she created all her stories, at her life. There's also a little bit of a creepy thing in it, which is she had like a really close pen pal and the pen pal went missing and it was never explained what happened to her, which is like a, a bit of real-life mystery thrown in. So I would really recommend getting those. It is kind of a huge volume, but it's so worth it. Just It's like a, the autobiography she never wrote. So I would recommend that for sure. And I think that's it for me on, on creepy books. The book that I really enjoyed recently was Ian Iverson's Rules for Commuting, but in the UK I think it's called The People on Platform 5, and it's by Claire Pooley, and I absolutely loved it. It had me laughing and crying, and it was just so heartwarming. All of the characters were just amazing, and yeah, I definitely recommend it. Probably my top five books of the year. Some great title choices there from Team Tandem members. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and recommendations for the best books for making you feel. So do send in your suggestions to us at podcast at the tandemcollective.com. Hi everyone, it's Lucy here. To continue this episode of Books That Made You Laugh, Cry or Hide, I'm here to chat with one of Tandem's longest standing community members, Jill Hammond. So Joe has joined us for several read-alongs over the past three years and can be found on Instagram at Joanna. So thank you so much for joining me today, Joe. And I believe today is your fourth Bookstagram birthday. So happy anniversary. Thanks. And what a journey it's been. <laughs> and such a lovely time to have this, this interview. <laughs> I know. It was like fate. It was meant to be, wasn't it? <laughs> it's exactly. Love it when that happens. <laughs> so I think we're quite similar, Joe, in that you you enjoy reading everything like I've seen you on lots of different genre read-alongs at Tandem as long as it's a good book like you 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 seem really into reading like a a variety of material but have you got a favorite genre or style of book that you always gravitate towards? I think it's I really really like I've really started to really enjoy those books that are really just really wholesome and kind of uplit I like I think somebody uses the hashtag pensioners in the pages you know like um, Beth O'Leary the switch like that and I just I find them so heartwarming and just really sweet and I think a couple of my other favorites are like AJ Pierce's books Dear Mrs Bird and Yours Cheerfully 
I love the mis the miseducation of Evie Epworth, all those kind of things. So that's definitely, I guess, what I gravitate to, those real kind of feel-good books. Yeah, so something that, yeah, will kind of uplift you. Well, I, th- I think, yeah. gosh, past couple of years, that's really what people have needed from books, isn't it, to feel uplifted and for books to give them a, a, a good bit of escapism. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's lots out there now as well, isn't there? There's a lot to choose from in that kind of oh. genre. Yeah, definitely. So, well, can you give us, in terms of uplifting books then, what's an example of the last book that kind of made you laugh out loud, like something really, really, really hilarious? Well, on the subject of Matt and Taylor, I'm reading the second Evie Epworth at the moment, all about Evie. And I started reading that last night and I, I can't stop laughing at it. It's really funny. And I'm not really a laugh out louder, but there's something about the way he writes that just really makes me laugh out loud. There's this scene really early on in the book and it's just, I mean, stitches, it's really, really funny. And my husband walks in, he's like, what are you laughing at? you know but yeah really funny really funny book and I think it's just that kind of sweet humor rather than blatantly funny humor yeah when it's not trying too hard almost like no I know what you mean and it's uh, yeah again I'm very similar it's it's hard to I think it is quite hard for a book to make me really laugh like properly be in stitches that thing so it's always a really nice surprise whenever it does (laughs) yeah I think it is a lot easier for a book to make me cry depending on you know material or whatever it's about what was the last book that really got to you or made you weep I read A Little Life a couple of months back and that is just a journey isn't it so I haven't read that yet but it is on my bookshelf downstairs someone has just lent me their copy and said it it made them sob and it's it's such a good book so um, yeah, that's kind of coming up on my TBR, to be honest. I'm hoping to get to that quite soon. But yeah, I have heard, and, and this is a friend that I wouldn't really have had her down as someone who would cry easily at a book. So I'm like, right, well, if it's taken her down, then there's no hope for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a book that I had so many reactions to as, as I was reading. There's one part, probably about three quarters of the way through, and I literally lobbed the book across the room and I, it was just a visceral reaction. Like I didn't know it was happening, but what what I'd just read, I couldn't believe what I'd read. And I just flung the book across the room and I was more shocked that it had happened than anybody. But it's, it's a book that's definitely a journey. And I think it's one of those books that it does evoke quite a reaction in you. You've got to be in the right headspace to read it, but read it if you want to read it. But if you don't think it's, if you don't feel that you have to read it, I think is what I'd say about that book. Mm, I think no it's a, such a good point and I, I think that's actually come up in a, another podcast discussion that we've had that when there's a lot of hype around a book we, we all I think are just a little bit stubborn and you, you like you almost don't want to read it straight away or you think okay well I'll get to that in time because yeah I mean it depends I suppose it depends how much value you place on like, people's opinions or you know if you have people who his judgment you really trust obviously that will make you more inclined to to want to read something but yeah when there's a lot of hype or, or you've got to read this you've got to read this I normally find myself coming back to it at a later stage but I do I, I do really want to read it because I've, I've only heard good things but just that it is so in terms of emotions it's so powerful so yeah I'll have to have the tissues ready when I get stuck into that one definitely um, definitely what about because as mentioned you read a, a wide variety do you find that books stay with you or a good book can stay with you quite some time after you've finished it? 
yeah definitely I have my shelf of books that I'm never going to let go of and I think I, they tend to be ones that I feel quite comfortable there's like a source of comfort than being there having them on my shelf I might not ever read them but it's knowing that they're there and they do stay with me for so long I mean a little mm. life I've not stopped thinking about that and I read that in May it's just such a powerful book and another one that really stuck with me was Meredith Alone I read that last November but that only came out a couple of months ago I think but it's another one that I've not stopped thinking about a really good book mm. and then in that same train of thought because uh, I mean I haven't really read a lot in the thriller category until fairly recently and thankfully I have both Lex and Jen who are big into the genre to kind of guide me and make really good recommendations horror thriller I find when they are done well you just can't stop thinking about them afterwards and it's that kind of creepy like hurry up the stairs in case someone's following you that kind of feeling or normally in in the shower and you're kind of thinking about a book long after you've been <laughs> when you're washing your hair or something what's what's the most recent book that's made you kind of have that oh that kind of on edge feeling or something that's just made you almost just want to hide after you put the book down you know I don't really get that feeling of wanting to do that but there's a couple of books that I've read I wouldn't say necessarily recently but have stuck with me in that really kind of creep me out way Starvaker which I did as a tandem read along I had a copy and it was it just popped up and I thought no I'm going to read that now and that is just the weirdest book and really I felt really creeped out by it and couldn't couldn't sleep and then the other one that always sticks with me is the woman in black yes and that's one that I do like to revisit if I feel the need to be crept out you know yeah <laughs> that's, just... that's a reliable one yeah yeah and I think I remember I read the book and then I went to see the, the stage play of it and just that that has stayed with me for years and years and years and not many books stay for that long there's that many books they don't that they don't stick with you for quite as long as that but yeah the woman in black if you want a good mm creepy story is brilliant Mm, yeah and I think that's that's so true as well I mean everybody's looking for different things from reading on it some people you know want something that's very very plot driven whereas other people just love something that's perhaps more character driven and when they feel that they really get to know people within the book but I do I, I do just think it's such a sign of a good book when it makes you feel something you know whatever emotion it is when it stirs up something in you and that that feels very visceral and you know very very kind of vivid I think that that is a sign that of a book well done yeah definitely and I think I've got quite into free verse recently and that really has that impact on me that you go on such a journey with that and because it's quite quick you can sit and read like a 400 page book in a couple of hours when it's free verse and just the lack of words is almost more powerful than loads of words with that it's it's interesting Mm. yeah well, last question for you, Joe. If I mean, this is going to be really, really difficult. But if you were only allowed to take one book with you on a desert island, which book would you take and why? Wow, wow, that is a very big book. I'm just looking at my, uh, I'm just looking at my shelf of uh, books. I think it would be, and I've already said it. It would probably have to be the miseducation of Evie Epworth because it is just such a comfort read for me Mm. it really is it just just pure escapism makes me feel happy one that you keep going back to yeah Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, feeling uplifted and happy, you're going to need that if you're stranded in the desert. Another, aren't you? So, yeah, I think, I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I think it'd probably be that. Oh, Jo, thank you so much for all of your brilliant recommendations and for joining me today. Always lovely to chat to you, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your fourth Bookstagram anniversary. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for having me, Lucy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So nice to chat with Joe there about some of the best books for stirring up emotions and for leaving you with that lovely post-reading reflection after you've finished. Joe can be found on Instagram at gimmebooksjoanna. We have mentioned this already, but please do check any of the titles referenced in this episode for their content warnings before you start reading them. Please do take a minute to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform as it really does make such a difference in discoverability and rankings. If you've got a recommendation for an episode or a book you think one of us should read immediately, let us know at podcast at thetandemcollective.com. Take care, everyone. As always, we're open to your feedback, so please do hit us up at Tandem Collective UK on Instagram or using the hashtag Tandem Collective Talks. If there's anyone, content creator-wise, industry superstars, or your favourite author that you think we should feature on the podcast, then let us know. Bye!